Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. On this podcast, rather than looking at movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them thinking about what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, bad movies, movies that we loved, and movies that we hated. This podcast is provided totally free and with no outside advertising, so if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes. A full transcript is also available on my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week we're going to be looking at Suicide Squad, and what's interesting about Suicide Squad is that this is a very bad script by a very good writer. David Ayer also wrote Training Day. And so instead of looking at this script like most critics have done and simply bashing it, I want to look at it as I would if I was working with a student. Because it's really interesting to see that even some of the greatest writers go through exactly the same problems or can bump up against exactly the same kinds of problems that many new and emerging and student writers bump up against. And the biggest problem with Suicide Squad is not Jared Leto's method acting antics, and it's not the egos of all the many stars that were involved, and it's not even the many places where the logic of the script just doesn't make sense. The real problem with Suicide Squad is the problem of too many good ideas. And this is actually one of the most common things that we see in screenplays is too many good ideas. And when you get attached to having too many good ideas, what ends up happening is all the ideas end up suffering. In improv, there's a concept called yes and. And yes and means looking at what has come before, agreeing, accepting it, allowing it to land in you, and then adding something to it that drives it deeper. That's the concept of yes and boiled down to the simplest idea. And yes and can happen inside of a scene. It can happen between two characters. So a character says something or does something. And you can almost think of it like a tennis match. You want to allow that ball to cross the net. And you want to feel the shiver of it as it hits the racket of the other character. And you want to feel how that shiver changes the return. And then you want to step into the other character and allow the way that the ball is returned to shiver through that character and affect their return. So that's how that can happen inside of a scene. It's a yes and. It's a yes, I accept what just occurred, and I'm now going to react to it, take it deeper, stronger, bigger, faster, cooler. And of course, this can also happen structurally. For us as writers, allowing the scene that we've just written, the idea that we've just come up with, the thing that we've just executed to fully land, accepting it, and then allowing it to influence whatever comes next allowing it to drive us deeper into one thing, allowing us to outdo where we've been before. And this is an organic, natural, simple way to think about structure. Unfortunately, what happens in Suicide Squad is the same thing that often happens with young improvers. Rather than yes-ending, we simply end up ending. And oftentimes that ending comes from a place of insecurity in us. We're afraid that maybe our idea isn't good enough. Maybe we don't have enough to take the story where it needs to go. Maybe we don't have enough of a story here or enough of a character here. Maybe we're afraid we don't have enough to do. It's not going to sustain us. It's not going to be exciting enough for the audience. And so we get into that place of anxiety. And instead of yes ending, we start just ending. Just saying, well, maybe it's also this. 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 And we get attached to all those and ideas that actually don't have very much in common with the idea that came before. And when that ends up happening, instead of getting structure, we get soup. Instead of getting characters going on profound journeys, we get mush. 
And instead of getting a unified experience that feels like one really beautiful thing, we get an unclear, messy experience that feels like a lot of good things. Instead of getting to go very deep in one place, we stay on the surface of a lot of places. And let's just say, writing one of these multiple main character movies is hard to start with. And the reason it's hard to start with is that every character, and for that matter, every idea that you have in your script, is going to take pages. And we only have a certain number of pages. If you're a young writer, you got about 105 pages to tell your story. Maybe if you are David Ayer, you get 120 pages to tell your story. That's not a lot of pages. And so when you have multiple main characters, what happens is, first off, your structure becomes more complicated. So if you only have one main character, we go on a very simple journey. We can look at that one character, what do they need, what is their problem, what's the theme of their story, what do they want, and we can take them on a simple journey in relation to what they want. And as long as we stick with them in every scene, we've got about 105 pages to take them on a very profound journey of change in relation to the theme of the movie, in relation to what they want, in relation to who they are, in relation to their problem. If you add one more main character, what you actually end up with is half the number of pages. If we're cutting point of view away from the main character to a second character, now instead of having 105 pages to tell the story, we have maybe 52.5 pages to tell the story. Or... Maybe there's some overlap, so maybe we have 70 pages to tell the story. So what we've just done is we've probably cut the number of pages we have to tell the story by about somewhere between 30 to 50%. At the same time, we've actually added another level of complication with story. Because now, instead of having to tell the structure of one character going on one journey, we now have to tell the story of two characters going on two journeys in relation to the theme. And if that wasn't complicated enough, there's a whole other level of structure. So when we actually have two main characters, what we're actually doing is we're telling three movies. The first is the main character's movie, main character number one. The second is main character number two. But if we want there to be unity, there's a third story, which is the story of character number one and character number two together. The story of these two characters and how their two journeys relate to one another. Think about Suicide Squad. If you look at the poster alone, it features 10 main characters. So at the center of this movie, we have two main characters. We have Deadshot and we have Harley Quinn. So we already know that there are three stories that we need to tell. We need to tell Deadshot's story and we need to tell Harley Quinn's story. And we know that we have to tell the story of the two characters together. And we know that that means that we have only 105 pages to do it, maybe 120 if we're David Ayer. So we know that by doing it like this, we probably cut down the number of pages we have to serve each story by about 30%. Now let's start thinking about all the other characters. We have the Joker. We have June Moon slash the Enchantress. We have Rick Flagg. We have Diablo. We have Katana. We have Killer Croc. We have Boomerang. We have Slipknot. We even have Amanda Waller, the Viola Davis character, and cameos by a half a dozen other superheroes. So for an example of yesing without ending, we can look at the way that these characters were introduced in this film. So we start off with some really great introductions. The introduction of... of Deadshot and the introduction of 
Harley Quinn are really, they're visually spectacular, they're super fun, they give us a really strong sense of who the characters are, how dangerous they are, what their problems are, and they make us want to go on a journey with those characters. And who cares if there are some things that don't make sense? Who cares if for some strange reason they've given Harley Quinn a chain to play on in her cage? It's exciting to watch her. She's captivating, she's crazy, she's dangerous, and we're drawn in. This is an example of what in improv would be called an offering, or what in my screenwriting classes I would call a vignette. A lovely little moment that captures who the character is, what they're doing when we first meet them, how they are. And what we'd really want to do as we build their story is we want to begin with that first vignette and we want to let it, we want to let it land in us what we've just written. And we want to allow the next scene that happens with them to be a reaction to that, that accepts what happened there and then builds upon it, takes it one step further, takes it one step more importantly forward. We want to yes it and we want to end it. What happens instead in this film, after introducing these characters with these fabulous vignettes, we then cut to Amanda Waller and her team of very boring government officials. And Amanda Waller goes through the files of each of these characters. And what we actually get is a second introduction to the same characters. And these introductions are also awesome. They're also super fun. But instead of driving the story forward, instead of yesing what happened and then ending, what they actually do is they keep the story static. Instead of choosing the better introduction, David Ayer chooses both introductions. And the result is that not only does the movie start to stand still, but also he's losing pages. He's getting that many fewer pages to tell a story that already has to be done in way fewer pages than you would normally expect. Think about how long that introductory sequence took. Think about how long, it's about half an hour of screen time, that we simply spend in this film introducing our characters before we're even thrown into the heart of the story. And immediately you will see that David Ayer has a huge problem. He's used up about a third of his script. He has to service the journeys of 10 characters and an 11th story tying them all together. And he's wasted 30% of his pages before he's even gotten into the main structure of the story. Screenwriting is about efficiency. And efficiency is about choices. It's about making really hard choices. And there is nothing wrong with choosing to write a movie about 10 main characters. After all, the film is called Suicide Squad. There has to be a squad. There's nothing wrong with making that choice. But when you make that choice, you need to recognize that your writing is going to have to be super efficient. That you're going to need to be able to drive the story forward with tiny little vignettes so that you can serve all of these stories and take each of these characters on a really profound journey. So we understand the problem of yesing without anding. Yesing without anding creates redundancy, and redundancy is one of our greatest enemies as screenwriters because redundancy robs us of the pages that we need to tell our stories. It robs us of the pages that we need to drive our stories forward. And how do you fix redundancy? Well, you look for the places where you're yesing without anding, you pick the better version, and you cut the other one. Or you find the moments where you're yesing without ending. You figure out how to turn the yes into a yes and. 
how you could drive things one step forward. The first 30 pages of Suicide Squad, the real problem is yesing without ending. We're getting really wonderful introductions, and then we're getting really wonderful introductions again. But none of these introductions drive the story forward, and none of them relate to the ones around them. In other words, these stories are not ending each other. The second problem is that none of these stories are ending the stories around them. So not only are they not yes-ending themselves, they're also not yes-ending the stories around them. And what I mean by that is these stories are not tied together around a theme. Remember, we talked about the idea that if you're going to build 10 main characters' journeys, you actually have to build 11 stories. And in order to build that 11th story, the story of all these stories together, in order to build it effectively, you're going to need a theme to tie it all together. Now, it's not that Suicide Squad doesn't have the idea of a theme. There's an idea of who's really the bad guy and that maybe the real bad guys aren't the people that we think are bad guys. And there's something very interesting about that theme. The problem is it's just really not developed because if you wanted to develop that, you would develop each story in relation to their journey of being a bad guy. We can see this pretty clearly with Deadshot. Deadshot's really the only character who's built on that theme right? He is a bad guy who wants to be a good guy to his daughter, and he goes on a journey over the course of the movie of reconciling whether he's going to be a bad guy or whether he's going to be a good guy, whether he's going to do the wrong thing or whether he's going to do the right thing. So he's kind of built on that trajectory. Harley Quinn, there's a little bit of that in that Harley starts out as a well-meaning therapist. She's driven crazy by the Joker, and she starts to identify not with herself as a healer, but with herself as a destroyer. And that's really interesting, too, and you can see that that's also related to theme. The problem is that Harley's journey doesn't yes-and that idea. Once she goes bad, to quote Tropic Thunder, she kind of goes full retard. And what I mean by that is she goes full crazy. She goes 100% crazy. And even though she's really sweet, she doesn't really go on a journey in relation to her identity. She doesn't go on a journey in relation to her relationship with the Joker. For example, even when she thinks the Joker is dead, she doesn't even mourn him. And ultimately, her journey is not to recognize that she is still that therapist who wants to help people. But it's also not to recognize that she's still the total baddie that the Joker turned her into. She ends up in this very in-between place. And even her madness and her violence starts to change. Where instead of yes-anding the problem that came before, that problem of identifying with a madman, she starts to become simply a neurotic who's pretty good with a baseball bat. And so what ends up happening is we end up losing the theme that could have tied this story together, the theme about how does the way we see ourselves affect our actions. And if we really wanted to build this movie, we would need to build all the characters' journeys around this. And what's really a shame about this film is that there's the opportunity to do so. There's the way that June Moon contains the enchantress within her. There's Diablo's relationship with his abilities, but also with being a gangbanger. So you can see, again, this is a good writer. At the core, there is this theme tying everything together, but the problem is because he's yesing without ending, he's not building the theme at all times. And because he's running out of pages, he's not serving the theme deep enough. Which leads us to the next problem. 
the bigger problem, which is ending without yesing. Because in order to take each of these characters on a really beautiful journey in relationship to their identity, in order to really tell a story about how does the way we see ourselves define us, which I think is what Suicide Squad is supposed to be about, the movie would simply have to have fewer ideas. Because there are so many good ideas in this movie. In fact, I would say that there are probably 10 movies in this movie. For example, the story of Harley Quinn's relationship with the Joker is worthy of a whole film. I would love to see how the Joker transforms a well-meaning, intelligent therapist into the Harley Quinn that we meet in this movie. And I would love to see the way that love transforms the Joker. And I would love to see how that love affair puts pressure on the way both of these characters see themselves and the journey that both Harley and the Joker would need to go on in relation to the kinds of actions they're taking. And movies like this have been built. There's a film called Natural Born Killers, which is an Oliver Stone movie. There is the story of two psychopaths in love. This is a worthy film. And this is a great idea. Deadshot's Journey is a worthy film and a great idea. The story of a guy who's a really bad guy, who kills people for money, and who wants to be seen differently from his daughter, who develops a friendship with Harley Quinn, and ultimately has to decide whether he's going to shoot her or not in order to get the life he's always wanted for his daughter. That's a really great journey. And that's a movie worth telling. And to some degree, Suicide Squad does manage to tell that piece of the story. The story of June Moon and the Enchantress is a worthwhile story. The idea of having a witch trapped inside of you and wanting to be yourself and also wanting to be the witch. The problem of having this thing inside you come out that you cannot control. But also the Enchantress's journey of going from being a god that's worshipped to a villain that's reviled. This is a worthwhile story. This is a story worthy of a full movie. Diablo's Journey, a gangbanger who ends up with the ultimate gift, right? The ability to create fire. And just look at Diablo. The man is covered with gang tattoos, right? The guy has grown up in a culture of violence and murder. And how that person, by getting new powers, starts to change his feelings about being a gangbanger. Because we could tell by his tattoos that this is not a guy who was dabbling in gangs on the side. This is a guy who was fully involved. So how does the journey of developing that power transform him into a person who doesn't want to be part of a gang? Who doesn't want to be a bad guy anymore? but who is marked with bad guy lettering all over his body. You can see that this is also a story worth telling. And unfortunately, it's another story that we don't fully get to see because we don't have enough pages. Instead, it seems that Diablo married um, some girl from suburban New Jersey, some sweet stay-at-home mom, and you have to wonder what she's doing with him. And for reasons that don't really make any sense, he ends up killing her and his children. And again, we don't know, we don't understand, we don't get to see the journey of what it was like, how he tried to extract himself, who he was really with, how did she change, how did his powers change him, how does his powers change the people around him. We didn't get to see that because we ran out of pages. Even Amanda Waller has a story that's worth telling. And this is not the one that we see, but the story of an idealistic government official who believes that people are not inherently evil, 
who believes that people inherently work towards their own best interest, who believes that she can transform the members of the Suicide Squad from total evil to good using their fear of death, but also perhaps by using her belief in the human spirit, who through her interactions with them is transformed from her own idealism into cynicism and betrayal and evil, even as they are transformed by her idealism. That is also a movie worth telling. And you can see that all of these movies, all of these stories worth telling, are present in this script. That the problem of this script is not too few good ideas, it's too many. And that it's not even too many good ideas. It's too many good ideas that don't speak to each other, that don't get fully developed, that don't yes and one another. One of the most misused words in the English language is the word priorities. And the reason that the word priorities is misused is because priorities don't exist. Definitionally, a priority is the one thing that comes before all others. When you're writing a script, whether it's a script like Suicide Squad or a single main character journey, it is your job to do the messy draft like Suicide Squad. It is your job to explore the edges of what your movie can be, to play around with all the different ideas. And if you're a good writer like David Ayer, you do try to build those ideas around a theme like he's trying to do. But at some point along the journey, you have to decide what your priority is. And this is what rewriting is about. Rewriting is not about priorities. Rewriting is about priority. Rewriting is about what is the one thing that this movie is and how do I keep on yes ending that one thing? How can everything in the movie end up serving that one idea. And that means in a rewrite, you need to be merciless with your ideas, not just your bad ones, but your good ones. It means you need to be merciless with your scenes. It means you need to be merciless with your writing. It means you need to be merciless with yourself and with your characters. You have to ask yourself, is everything in this moving serving the priority? There's a concept called killing your darlings, which means you should cut the things that you love most from your script. And I think that's a terrible idea. Don't kill your darlings. But you do need to make choices about your darlings. And there are different ways to make those choices. But those decisions need to be made in relation to your priority. Sometimes our anxiety of running out of ideas leads us to try to put every idea into one screenplay. When the truth is, there's enough great material in this terrible script to last David Ayers for his next 10 movies. So one answer is simply to make one of these stories the priority. And the truth of the matter is, David Ayer already knows what that priority is. The movie is really built around the concept of Suicide Squad, around the priority of the idea that somewhere is a prison where the very worst, most dangerous people in history are all kept. And that one woman, in response to a terrible threat, decides to go to that prison and transform these bad guys into good guys. And the truth is that this is a great idea. We just need to be there by page 10. We need to be launched into the action of that story. Here's where this gets complicated. It gets complicated by an ending without yesing that doesn't relate to that priority of the film. And the sad thing is that that ending is a great idea. It's the idea of the Enchantress. 
So what if there was a government official who believed that she could transform the worst of the worst into the best of the best? That's a yes and. But also, not yes and. What if there was an enchantress? What if there was this archaeologist who had, at the same time, been looking for an artifact and, for reasons that don't make a lot of sense, had broken her own artifact and released this enchantress into herself? But also, not yes and, she happened to be dating Flag, the guy who is working with Amanda Waller in some unclear kind of capacity. And what if, also, not yes and, Amanda Waller somehow had taken control of the Enchantress's heart, and now the Enchantress is trying to get the heart back. And what if, also, part of the plan to get the bad guys out of the prison also involved this Enchantress being part of the team? And what if, also, then the Enchantress turned into the bad guy? And what if, also, the bad guys then had to kill the Enchantress? And what if, also, not yes and... Ultimately, they need to use a bomb to destroy her. And what if, but also, the Enchantress needs to get her heart back? And what if, but also, the Enchantress wants to make a machine that's going to punish people for worshipping machines instead of her? And what if, but also, not yes and, the Suicide Squad now needs to stop her? And what if, but also, she makes unlimited numbers of faceless monsters who are very, very easy to kill? And in all those but also's, we end up losing what this movie could really have been if it had simply yes-anded itself. Because the truth of the matter is, if instead of getting additive, instead of saying but also, David Ayer had simply chosen to yes-and the best elements of his own movie, he would have had a simpler, stronger, more coherent, and more powerful story that dug deep in one place rather than digging lots of holes in many. Because at the heart of the story, we've got two really great ideas that could very easily yes-and each other. We have the story of the Joker in love. And we have the story of the Suicide Squad. And the problem of the Suicide Squad can be answered through the story of the Joker in love. And the problem of the story of the Joker in love can be answered through the Suicide Squad. See, the problem with the Suicide Squad is that there is no threat that requires the Suicide Squad to be created that it comes internally as a but also in a character's mind rather than rising naturally, yes and, out of the plot. And to answer that problem, the writer creates this but also of the Enchantress, which doesn't really fit anything else happening in the script. When the truth is, the antagonist he needs is already present. Because who could be a better antagonist than the Joker? Especially knowing that Harley Quinn, the Joker's love interest, is in this very prison where all the other Suicide Squad members are kept. So on the one hand, you have the story of a government official who believes that she can transform evil into good. And on the other hand, you have the story of a good psychotherapist whose belief that she can heal the Joker has not only robbed her of her sanity, but has also led her to fall in love with this madman, has turned her into a vicious killer just like him. And wouldn't it be awesome if rather than using the Enchantress as the antagonist. David Ayer had simply used the Joker, had allowed whatever the Joker's new plan to arise not out of a random mad evilness, but much more like the Heath Ledger Joker, 
out of a real desire. In the case of the Heath Ledger Joker, it was the desire to prove to Batman that morality didn't exist. But in this Joker's case, it could simply be the desire to rescue his lost love or to punish those who had taken her away from him. And think about the other side. If Harley Quinn, the woman who once tried to heal the Joker and had now fallen in love with him, was then asked to stop the man she loved and had to choose between her own life and her love for the man who had transformed her into the mad killer that she has become. And you can see that that story has clarity and unity and integrity that that story would allow you to dig deeper both into the love story between the Joker and Harley Quinn and also the structure of the Suicide Squad's journey and Harley Quinn's identity. Is she the brilliant psychotherapist or is she the mad killer? Is she the good healer or is she the violent destroyer? Can her love for the Joker survive in the face of her mission to destroy him? And will she eventually need to look at herself and rediscover who she really is? And that's not the only way to make this movie stronger. That's just one way of looking at this film and saying, how do we yes and what already exists instead of but also-ing a new plot element? How do we dig deep in one place rather than digging shallowly in many? But the truth is, as a writer, you can even just choose to yes and yourself because there's a way even to yes and the completely external subplot of The Enchantress. For example, there's a version of this story where Amanda Waller, an idealistic government official, makes a terrible mistake and sets loose a powerful witch upon the city who wants to be worshipped. Unable to stop her, Amanda Waller has to go find the Suicide Squad. And in the process of fighting the witch, the Suicide Squad is transformed for good, but Amanda Waller is transformed for evil. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only way to make this movie, but what I am saying is when things start yes-ending, when the choice to get the Suicide Squad is a reaction to the Enchantress, or the choice with the Enchantress is a reaction to the Suicide Squad, when one element of your script grows naturally out of the other, your movie starts to yes-and itself, and it starts to create a feeling of unity. It allows us to move through our scripts more efficiently. So our job as screenwriters is to stop packing our movies with every idea and start drilling deeper into the ideas we already have. And this begins at a place of tremendous trust in yourself. You need to trust in order to do this that your ideas are actually good. And you have to trust that you have time to write all these other movies at some point in the future to tell all these other stories that you also want to tell. It means that you have to be gentle with yourself at the beginning so that you can really see the limits of what your movie can be. But in revision, it means you need to set a really strong priority, not of what somebody else says the movie should be, but what you say the movie should be. And this is true whether you're telling a story of one character or a much more challenging story of 10 characters. It's our priority that allows us to focus our revision, to turn great ideas into beautiful execution. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. As I mentioned, we make this podcast available totally free and with no advertising at all. So if you got something out of it, please subscribe to us on iTunes and write us a review. Uh, you can also get a complete transcript of this podcast on my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or as part of our one-on-one -on -one ProTrack mentorship program, you can learn more about that at our website as well, writeyourscreenplay.com. Mm -hmm.